everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Heart Speaks podcast. For this episode, I'll be speaking with Jamie Kilstein, a stand-up comedian, lover of jiu-jitsu, and host of A Fuck-Up's Guide to the Universe. Now, Jamie and I have known each other for a while. We used to have a tiny, short-lived podcast together, so we spoke about that nostalgically. We spoke about how to overcome the political polarization that is tearing our world apart, and we talked about how to navigate social media while avoiding its pitfalls, especially those that influence us to the same exact polarization we're trying to avoid. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Share with all your friends and let them know this is The Heart Speaks with Jamie Kilstein. What's up, Jamie? Nothing. It's good. We used to have a podcast <laughs> together. It's so crazy. Like we during did. COVID, I feel like I'm running into my COVID ex. And I don't, I'm like, oh, that's right. We had a friendship and a show and we had little <laughs> fans. And now you're still here. Yes. And you're still here as well. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about that podcast before do- doing this, having this conversation with you. And I was like, you know, I like Jamie, but I don't like politics that much. <laughs> that's how that's how I feel. And and that's how it ended. That's how that podcast ended. <sighs> yeah, well we both um shit, it may have even been my idea, which is which was so funny because I am by far the least successful of us and I was like, "Ah, oh, you really blew that, buddy." <laughs> um but like I it was so honorable what we did, where we just yeah. kind of went to. So, for people don't know and who don't know, it was on like I guess. Would you even would you call that like Jordan Peterson's site? Is it? Yeah, I don't know if he's still doing that. I don't, I don't know, know either what it is or if it's still a thing. But yeah, yeah, I actually and, don't even remember the name of it. So I, yeah, no, so the marketing was not the best. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, wanted to talk about politics and. But like from a, a let's not be dicks to each other, let's all be nice, whatever. And then yeah. you just could tell it was just, it wasn't going to be authentic. It would have been us begrudgingly reading the news when all we wanted to do was the second part of that was to be nice to each other, figure out things, shit like that. We didn't need to do it based off of like a Trump said this thing. Okay. Yeah. Being, being, you know what I mean? Which is like, by definition reactionary. By yeah. Definition. Yeah. Well, you know, I've talked about this before and there aren't many people or audiences that I think will vibe with it, but you are one of them, which is even the sort of who are our friends, by the way, mm-hmm. tribeless, <laughs> um, you know, we're tribeless, we're above both tribes. We we're political, you know, um, uh, orphans. We don't, you know, whatever. Even they have a tendency For sure. to, to do the thing they hate. Where there, you know, I mean, these aren't people who are friends with us, but there are people who, you know, talk about going after cancel culture, but then all day on Twitter, they're calling out people who are canceling in a very cancely kind of way. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, everybody, even the tribalists, can still get sucked into that reactionary um, mindset. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I'm fucking over it. But at the same time, I see the numbers on my podcast. And when I try to, focus on mental health compared to mm. when I was like a political shit stirrer, it's a fucking disaster, which is a bummer because I know it's right. But is that a, just a snapshot in time? Well, I have, I have several things to say about this. Number one, I'm taking a break from social media. So I started to take regular breaks um, after Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. Yeah. Um, when I saw that- That's a that, good time to, yeah. <laughs> to, like, to be like, let's slowly close the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's something going on with social media and like the way it influences us. And I, I need to take breaks. So that was when I started taking two week breaks from Twitter for mm-hmm. two weeks at a time. That's great. And since then, it's been really wonderful every time I'm off, like I've noticed. Of and then, but then when I get back on, it's just like, I find myself, I'm definitely better than I used to be when I was on all the time. Yeah. But I still find myself being drawn to, driven to that tribalist mentality. Yeah. Um, and so I've decided to just completely be off of it for the month of May. That's awesome. And I'm hoping that when I 
we'll see what happens. But my my initial thought now is like once June comes around, I will probably go on social media one day a month. Like that's that what that's well, what I, like I that. want my like caliber or my cadence rather to be. Um once again, I had great timing that I was like, oh, let me be a guest on the podcast when you're not on social media. <laughs> great listen, fucking job. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, this is, let me tell you why it's might be the exact opposite of what you're describing. Ooh. I have, you know, there's a producer, shout out to Dash. Producers produce this podcast, right? So yes. they will post content. They will post my content okay. on my behalf on social media. So that's so content will still be going on social media. people want to see you. Well, you know, it's interesting because just on the social media, I know you had other stuff, but I just did um, Cal Newport's podcast. Do you know him? I've heard of him. I don't know him personally. Okay, so he's like the like no social media guy. He did that oh, like, okay. TED talk that blew up with like millions of whatever. And yeah, you know, is he's in that like Lex Friedman, Tim Ferriss circle. He's always being quoted. And I've been friends with him forever, like before he was famous. Yeah, and I did his podcast, and because I'm th- I'm wondering if one of the reasons is yes, political tribalism. But when you were taking those two weeks two week breaks, I'm wondering if one of the reasons you were drawn to it, and this is what I focused on with Cal, is that it's our fucking career. So it's it's almost like because Cal gave me a bunch of things because I go, hey man, you know, if you're talking to just an average family person, yeah, of course, all the all those. All the research shows if you're off social media, you're going to be a happier person, right? But I go, well, what about for me who has to make a living? Cal can make a living because he's the no social media guy. So he found that niche and everyone can sign up for his mailing list and he has a successful podcast. And, you know, I made a joke with him. He was like, well, I'm doing it. And I was like, yeah, but you can go on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Get me booked on Tim (laughs) Ferriss's podcast and I too will get rid of my Twitter and Facebook. Like, I would love that. And he gave me we did an experiment at the end. And of course, Mm. uh, also happiest I've ever been where it's like, plug your phone in like it's a rotary phone. Like put it on. So if somebody calls you, because mine's always on silent, Mm -hmm. but it's away. You're not just like dicking around when you're on your, you know, uh, watching TV or whatever. And it was like, post your content from your laptop, not on apps, like stuff like that. But then once, you know, comedy and podcasts and shit like that started taking off, I was like, yes, same as you where I'm like, okay, I got to make up for lost time. I guess I got to like, I got to have a take. And, yeah. uh, and of course, again, great Jamie timing. I was like, you know what? Let's talk about nuanced politics and let's have takes. And then the next day it was like Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I was like, oh, fucker, <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. I just want to talk about fucking music and mushrooms. I do think it's possible though. To, to clarify, to clarify, I did not miss it when I was off. I, oh, only, of I only craved it once I got back on. And I think that that's because, you know, they say we shape our environment and simultaneously our environment shapes us. And I think I've really like, in as much as I don't want that to be true, I have to, you know, come to terms with reality. That is certainly true for social media. I do think it is possible for you, Jamie, and for others, but specifically for you, Jamie, to build um, a way of being, to live a way of being where you're able to be financially um, successful from putting out content and while simultaneously not being on social media as much. And the reason for that is if we give, if we, if we think of another example from a different century, yeah, I've been reading a lot of, um, Jungian authors. I don't know if I was reading this when I last spoke to you, but I don't know. um, That guy was hilarious on Snapchat. I've heard about I've heard about how both on Snapchat and TikTok, yeah, Carl Jung is like becoming <laughs> a thing. But anyway, um, I so I was reading about Emily Dickinson. Okay, and Emily Dickinson was one of those authors who, you know, was brilliant, and her, you know, her claim to fame is obviously her literature, her poems, etc. But another claim to fame of hers is the fact that she didn't commit suicide. And this is very important because there is a lot of authors and artists in the same sort of contemporary time, um, but in particular, women artists. I literally thought she committed suicide and I realized I was mixing her up with something. (laughs) When you said that, yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. But a lot of them did. Like a lot of them did. And there's this this, um, interesting relationship with always needing to be in the public eye. Yeah. Right. Always needing to be public and being driven to suicide. 
Yeah. And so from a pure health perspective, let alone financial perspective, and obviously those things are interrelated, we have to reorient our relationship. I certainly, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I have to reorient my relationship with what it means to be public. And yeah. I also need to understand the value of privacy. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, so I had this, long story short, uh, long story short, had a breakup. Tulsi Gabbard found me a farm to stay at in Hawaii. I thought I was going to get off social media Shout out forever. to Tulsi. That's really Shout out to Tulsi. She's the, She's the best. She's the best. I thought awesome. I was going to be a farmer. And <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this. And for me, I think social media, I mean, if I'm just being honest, it's yeah. from desperation. It's just, mm. I, which is never a good place to do anything, right? Like sure. I'm, a fi- I'm a fighter and I know when you start swinging from desperation, you're going to get knocked the fuck out, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> if... It's just like, oh, I need people to know. You know, I've had famous political people who were fans of mine who didn't know I did stand up. I had a friend of mine yesterday who looks at all of my Instagram stories and goes, You have a podcast? And I go, Fuck, like I am not promoting this shit enough. But, you know, when it comes to what you were talking about with um, public private, one of the reasons that I was going to go, that I did go to this farm and before, even before the breakup, I was going to go was my brother asked me if I wanted to be famous. And I go, Mm. no, that word was so gross to me. Mm. But then you look at my career and it's like, oh wait, all that guy's tried to do is be famous. And for me, it's like, I was just famous enough to get in trouble and not famous enough to ever have a pool. Like it was like the worst of both worlds. Oh yeah. And it's like, no, I want privacy. I want friendships. I want my, you know, girlfriend to be fucking left alone. I want, um, to be able to, yeah, all, all that stuff. Um, but for me, it's just like, well, I need to get my art out there. I just want to make a living yeah. helping people and making art. The idea of fame. And, you know, when you see so many famous people who are miserable and me and you look at them and go, God, that looks, wow, how are you fucking miserable? It's well, because the fame is what satiates them. Right. For me, even when I'm not doing stand-up, like stand-up's a rush and having, you know, a bunch of people, like hundreds of people or thousands of people laugh at you in that moment. Like, yeah, that's awesome. But I don't sit around craving that. I'm equally as happy going to take a walk in the woods listening to fucking pop punk music. Like it's, for me, it's the act of creation, whether it's creating a joke, doing a bit on a podcast, making a sketch on Instagram, it's just making it. And the validation is great. And so I think the people who get in trouble are, I want to be famous for famous sake. Yeah. But for me, it's like I have to figure out well, how many do I have to hijack those tools just in order to be an artist? Because, like I said, even the act for my mental health of, I mean, this is how bit, bad I've been business wise. If you elevator pitch my stand up career, it was I was talking about politics after 9 11. So, when it obviously was not popular in New York. So, I had to go overseas to make a living. Mm-hmm. Then I start getting kind of famous. I get a spot on Conan. I talk about drone strikes, but it's under Obama. So like no one wants to fucking hear about drone strikes. Then Trump becomes president. Every hacky comic does like, hey, Trump's fat jokes. And I stop talking about politics. <laughs> so like I've never really been on like the... Oh, and then I decide, I guess the new one we can add is I go, I'm going to talk about politics again. The fucking day it looks like abortion is going to become illegal. Sure. So um, I've always been dumb. But I would like to... A better way to phrase it is authentic. Yeah. And I was so happy over COVID, not following the news and really focusing on mental health and even doing like jujitsu stuff on, on Instagram. And then, like I said, it just flatlined. Now, what Mm. I'm very proud of is I got offers as I'm sure you did to become like a right wing puppet. (laughs) And I, I made this joke the other day on a show where I was like, if I wrote a book called like from feminist to freedom fighter, I'd be a billionaire. (laughs) Um, but I was like, well, that's not me either. Like, I don't want to be anti anything either. Hmm. And it gets, I found myself, especially after this breakup and now I'm on the up and up. But when it first happened, I found myself getting victimy, Mm -hmm. which I Mm -hmm. haven't done Mm -hmm. in so long. And I felt myself going, I just tried to do the right thing. And you can't even just like, you know, and I was punished for it. Or, you know, I can't even talk about mental health without some fucking lunatic stalker coming out and trying to get me canceled. I can't, you know, so then you just go, Mm. well, fucking maybe I should have wrote from feminist to freedom fight. Like, if I'm still going to get shit, at least I'm not going to be fucking homeless, like at least whatever. 
And so now what I'm trying to do is like, okay, well, maybe I can talk about politics kind of like we tried to do on our show. Mm -hmm. I don't have to read it every day, but maybe I can still talk about it way in, but in a put putting comedy first, right? Mm -hmm. If I put comedy first and kindness first, but then, you know, I did the abortion. I did an abortion episode that dropped today Mm -hmm. and two of my friends wrote me feminist women. And they were like, dude, this is the funniest you've sounded, the most confident you sounded. Like, I like that you didn't attack both sides. But then on my Patreon, like two hardcore patrons literally said, I only listened to the first 10 minutes and I got so mad. I walked away because in that first 10, I tried to go, I tried to give, well, this is why the conservatives feel this way. Yeah. And like, you tried to do the whole empathy thing. And, but, which of course they don't call empathy. <laughs> they call like both sidesism or yeah, they call yeah, yeah. fucking pandering or they call grifting. And yeah. it's like, no. And also, by the way, you fucking idiots, if you just let me be nice to them, they're not going to turn it off. So then 30 minutes in when I go, by the way, here are all the reasons I'm pro-choice. They're right. actually maybe going to be a little more open-minded because I didn't call them fucking like woman killers. Yeah. Um, just like if someone called me a baby killer, I'd be like, well, I'm not listening to you anymore. Right. Well, it's interesting. So uh, my friends have been um, uh, suggesting that I invest in the uh, in index funds. I promise this is related. Uh, yeah. To what you said. <laughs> um, and I hope it, you title this episode "Index Funds and Abortion" <laughs> just for me. I don't know about that, but we'll see. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I forgot you have a professional actually, producer actually, who will maybe. veto all my ideas. Now that, now that you've like dropped that, I mean, maybe. I mean, why not? But basically, <laughs> they were they were like they were like invest in the in index funds, but don't check it. Like, don't check right. it every day because the whole point of index funds is that it grows over five years or over ten years or whatever, and it'll this obviously is a great analogy. <laughs> it'll obviously fluctuate. Yeah. Um, and so there's that, and then there's this weird. Rudyard Kipling quote where he says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Like Ooh. that's that's the line. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's a great line from his poem oh. called If. Um, I feel like that is like the advice that I would give to you right now in this moment, you know, because you're sort of like, you're looking at the highs and you're looking at the lows when it's really mm-hmm. the, long, the long game yes. that you want to be playing. And that's how I, and that actually, I mean, you just phrased it much more beautifully because that's what kind of talked me out of a spiral this morning, Mm. you know, because I thought about, you know, and and we don't have to get into it, but like, I was very, I I, I was a big old feminist and then uh, I had an affair and because I was a big old feminist, they turned the affair into a clickbaity thing that Mm. still haunts me and cancels me uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. And there's more to it. I've talked about it on other shows. Happy to talk about it, but it is what it is. Sure. Um, and, you know, what I realized is, because again, when I am getting victim yeah. I go, well, I just did what John Mulaney did. And John Mulaney, except he did got to do cocaine and fuck Olivia Munn, and he just hosted SNL. And I'm like staying on a friend's couch right now. <laughs> And, or, or when people go, you know, oh, well, look at, you know, Crystalia and Louis C.K. and they did things way worse than you and they're killing it. I'm like, one, I know. Uh, two, I don't even want to be in that category because I shouldn't yeah. even be in that category. Yeah. And so it's easy for me just to be like so fucking down on myself. But what I realized is because I sort of ran from my past for so long and because I didn't really defend myself. I just disappeared. I was just suicidal. Mm. So I didn't really defend myself. Then I disappeared. Then I come back and I talk about it on Rogan, but I'm like, I don't really want to talk about it all the time. I don't want to be known as that guy. Yeah. And I didn't want to go the anti-cancel culture route, which would have been, again, very lucrative. I was like, okay, maybe I'll just talk about that. And it still kept coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. And so I go... You know, this is what I came up with recently. I mean, with my ex, even after we fucking broke up, where it's just like, I'm getting shit anyway. I might as well be out there. I might as well talk about it. I might as well mm-hmm. talk about what happened to me, how hard it was to try to be a better person. Um, all these things, make jokes about it, like comedy be first. And what I realized about these other people, and this is kind of what you were talking about with the long game, is they had a fucking army of people backing them up. Mm-hmm. Every club I go to is more 
comedians, women, manager, audience members who go, oh, Jamie's a good guy. Everybody who listens to my podcast, every friend I make like you, every whatever. And so, but before I would make all of my content based on those extreme voices, whether it was when I was like super woke and self-righteous, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, those people are paying my bills and they're probably smarter than me because I dropped out of high school and I'm a white guy. So I'm going to listen to them. A lot of uh, self-contempt. Yeah. Oh, just want to just want to present stuff. Oh, you don't need to point that out. (laughs) My brain points that out. Uh, And then the opposite is, you know, today, for example, those two liberals wrote on my Patreon, and old me would have been like, "Fuck, man, I need that ten dollars a month." Um, Maybe I was being a little too conservative. And the bottom Mm -hmm. line is, to what you're saying, is if I am just authentically myself, which means I talk about my mistakes, I lead with comedy. Sometimes I'll piss off the left. Sometimes I'll piss off the right, and I don't read those comments or I don't have those comments in my head, I will start building an audience that is so big filled with open-minded people that when someone does get pissed off or when someone does say some bullshit about me, it doesn't matter because I've authentically built up an audience, which is what you did. Because, you know, people, I think they look at success stories like you and they could be, it almost seems easy but when you think about it, it's like, no, you're also going to get attacked from both sides. Me too. For Every sure. time I feel comfortable, I'll say something that I'm like, oh, these new people will love that. I mean, dude, I'm fucking, I'm going on Glenn Beck and Tim Pool show soon. And like, <laughs> I've been on again, Tim Pool show. Is it fun? It seems like it's going to be fun. It's definitely an experience. I had a lot of fun. I will say I'm going I had out a lot of fun. Birthday. <laughs> Isn't that weird? You're going on your birthday? My 40th birthday, I'm going to wow. be with fucking Tim Pool. And you have to like throw down. I, I think I'm going to. <laughs> I'll give you advice for, for Tim, or, or at least, you know, the way I, the way I uh, approached going on his show. Yeah. Um, I, my intent was basically to slow things down. Yeah. Because Tim, because Tim is very, like, not just animated, he's like a workaholic. Yeah. And so he's like, even beside his political ideas, which can be frantic. Mm-hmm. His whole like personality is very workaholic. Go, 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 go. Drive, 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 drive. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to shift that. You were like, hey, fellas, to, let's take a breath. We're not going to do. We're going to be. We're going to learn how to be. And there's a distinction between the two. So like that was the intent that I went into it with. And I, I had a lovely time. I had a great conversation. I'm gonna watch that episode. Well, and so like <laughs> my my thought is again, I'm not suddenly gonna be espousing right-wing talking points. My sure. thought is I'm going to lead everything I do with comedy and not caring about offending people and then kindness. By the and way, then- there are some words you can't say on that show. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> Like what? A centrist Democrat? No, no, no. Like, I think there's like cursing, curse words that you can't. I think they don't allow for cursing on that show. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that because they were, they're like the rebel compound. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. I got so many. You really have to, like, (laughs) I got so many C word jokes. I'm going to have to cross off the docket. Um, That is fascinating. Of course, I want to do this for my 40th birthday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I'm yeah. like, this. it's an experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, you know, I have censored myself and kind of held myself back and been afraid to do certain shows or, I mean, I, if I'm being really honest, and I don't even think I talked to you off the air. I was nervous about, every time I see a Jordan Peterson clip, I go, this is yeah. great and this is helping me. <laughs> and then every time it was like, hey, go promote the thing on Jordan Peterson's network. I'm like, but the liberals who follow me, by the way, the liberals who do nothing, who don't pay my bills, who won't have me on their fucking show, who still follow me, who have probably muted me. I'm like, well, (laughs) I don't want them to see it and think I'm an alt-right, whatever. And I'm like, guys, Jordan Peterson just helped me make my fucking bed. Like, (laughs) I don't care what he says about pronouns. I don't care. Um, And so, but I've always had that fear and it's because I am, I was living for other people yeah. I've been attacked on Twitter. I know what that feels like. I can, you know. I was recently attacked on Twitter. It was so funny. Um, oh, see, that's the mentality I want. I had John Cleese on from Monty Python. Do you know him? Oh, like, I know Monty Python, but I don't know. Yeah, who so is. he's like one of the main guys. Okay. And 
he's been canceled a bunch for things he said. He like walked out of the BBC when they asked him about cancel culture. And uh, we talked about it and he goes, Jamie, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when I get canceled. I don't pay attention. He's like, someone tells me I'm <laughs> yeah. trending on Twitter. I don't oblivious. look. And then I, and I'm like, well, you have Monty Python money, but also that's what I want. So anyway, so what happened with you? Well, okay. So two things I will say. I, I will say, I don't think it's actually sustainable to be able to make money if you, if you build your thing off of what people want. Like, and it's, it's actually counterintuitive because you, you would think like, oh, I need to create a product that people will want, right? But that can't, yes and no. Like, like to a certain extent, yes. Um, but you have to have, I find that one has to be centered enough in themselves and not be a people pleaser. And it's so easy to become a people pleaser Ugh. when it seems like financial incentives are aligned with it. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it's sustainable in the long run. I was... Um, People made fun of me on Twitter because I am a huge fan of Disney. And I said that Disney, too, yeah, I said that Disney has a really sacred mission. I mean, transmitting values from fairy tales to, to young people is actually an important mission in terms of childhood development. Um, and it, like, it needs to ask itself the question, is it actually embodying upholding that mission and does it take its task to be sacred and there's just like hundreds of people who are super cynical right it's just who yeah are like, it's always the cynics it's, it's always perfect, the cynics it's always the cynics um it's like did you not have a childhood you guys yeah. and they're like you know fuck disney blah 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 and it's just it was like upsetting but it was more like heartbreaking a little bit you know to see watched- that I watched Lilo and Stitch, which I think is the most <laughs> underrated Disney movie recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. The character is like shockingly dark, like the little girl, like <laughs> she's throwing a fit under the couch after she bit a girl and she just like is listening to Elvis and just goes, leave me here to die. Like, and <laughs> as a Hawaiian, it gets like a lot of the Hawaiian and the pigeon, right? I, I just yeah. love it. And I remember yeah. posting... I just made some dumb joke when I don't even know the political thing that's happening with Disney, but I made some <laughs> joke where I was like, my Disney take is that Lilo and Stitch is an underrated movie. And mm-hmm. some dude on my Facebook wrote like a, th- I didn't read it, but like a three paragraph <laughs> thing explaining why Lilo and Stitch is not a good movie or something. <laughs> and I was just like, imagine, imagine that that is how you spend your time where it's like, oh, there's a person who enjoyed a cartoon yeah, and I'm going to like, pick it apart like I'm fucking Roger Ebert. Like, what a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a You're bummer. like, this would be different if we were, like, having a podcast and we were, like, doing, like, a long-form discussion, a content about, like... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like, we can point out, yeah. like, oh, this is problematic <laughs> about The Little Mermaid, but, like, yeah, 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 yeah. song. Um, yeah. Like, don't give up your voice for a man, but also, like, damn, girl, you can sing it, and that movie's fun, <laughs> and Sebastian's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... You're right about the leading it for other people. You know, my big thing is when I was super broke and again, being kind of like courted by some right-wing people, I I knew that that would be me doing it for other people. Mm. What I'm grappling with right now inside, as I'm going back to comedy and making that the focal point where I'm around people who again, say the most offensive things in the world. And I'm just remembering they're also so nice and mm-hmm. actually have spines as opposed to a lot of the yeah. left I used to know who would not say those things and yeah. then would bail on you in a heartbeat. Um, and, you know, most of these comics are probably like us where they probably, they're like, or I, I don't want to put you on it, but like, you know, are sick of the Democrats, but have a lot of still like liberal yeah. leaning views. Um what I'm wondering is, you know, now I'm not like, okay, I got to go back to politics to make money. For me, I'm wondering, no, was I actually kind of, am I actually kind of good hmm. at taking these hard issues and making them relatable and funny and bringing people together? And actually, while I was kind of self-righteously saying I'm done with politics and stuff like that, um, was I actually afraid because mm. of what happened to me? Because mm. I don't want to fucking trend on Twitter because yeah. I don't want to, I don't want those liberals who don't like me anymore to see that I'm back online or I don't want to piss off these new conservative fans. And 
you know, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah. I don't want to be on Twitter every day. I don't want to be reading the news every day. I don't need to weigh in on these little niche issues, but never talking about it, yeah. I think would be fear-based. I think, you know, I mean, I named the podcast A Fuck-Up's Guide to the Universe, mainly wanting to focus on mental health and what I was going through and dating and stuff like that. But really, A Fuck-Up's Guide to the Universe also can include yo, there's this heavy abortion conversation going on and I have thoughts, but I don't know if people are going to agree with me and I kind of think this and I kind of think that and like, I'm a fucking guy. Am I even allowed to have an opinion? I, I, I think that all still falls in the category of like, I mean, a fuck up guy to the universe is essentially saying we're all flawed. I'm definitely flawed. I'm giving you advice without judgment from someone mm-hmm. who is flawed. Um, so I think politics can go in there, yes, Mm. But does that mean I'm going to go back to like, okay, I have to have three controversial stories or like, yeah. who's that like Republican who like face fucked some frat guy? I guess I got to talk about that. It's like, eh, if I don't give a shit about it, I'm not going to yeah. talk about it. I think yeah. it's going to be my line. Yeah, I think you should do stuff that you care about. And that brings you, you know, some sort of joy. That's it. And, you know, you will become more successful when people ask me podcast advice. I mean, I probably even told you this the first time we talked on the phone, which it's like, you know, when they try to do something that's already being done, it's not authentic. Or when they go like, I just want Ro- to be like Rogan where I sit around and smoke weed with my friends. It's like, okay, if you can make it authentic. You but have if something you- to say, first of all. Right. <laughs> and, and also, if you look at like Rogan's guests, if Rogan wasn't Rogan and he made that pitch, if he's like, all right, like I'm going to have hunters on and UFC fighters, but then I'm going to have Bernie Sanders on and then like, I'm going to get high with my friend. Like every network would be like, no. Yeah. And he's like, wait, I, I didn't tell you the best part. It's three hours long. They'd be like, get the fuck out of my office. Yeah. But it's like, those were things he was genuinely excited about. You know, so I had yeah. the, my last two guests were like, I had John Cleese on from Monty Python. But then after the breakup, I had my friend Nicole Aniston, who's this very famous porn star, but also incredibly spiritual and like... Mm-hmm. She's awesome. And I was like, oh, you know what? If my ex got bangs after the breakup, I'm going to do a breakup podcast with a porn star. And like, so that was, you know, those were just things I wanted to do. Yeah. But I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, uh, all those new fans from John Cleese, I better have another British satirist on. And it's like, no, I'm going to have a fucking porn star on. And then the next episode is a solo one talking about abortion. And it's like, these are just the things I care about. And you're right. Like, I can't, I don't even think I want to look at numbers and see like what's yeah. doing better. I think I just want to, this is the thing I'm thinking about a lot, you know? And there were, yeah, there were two episodes on a fucking breakup because I had a girlfriend and a house and then suddenly I'm in a fucking hotel or a farm in Hawaii and I don't have this girl I was in love with. And um, of course I want to talk about that instead yeah. of whatever political bullshit was going on. And this week I feel really good and I felt like I could handle abortion. So, okay, we'll talk about that a little bit. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, that's part partly why also I want to be off social media more is to not feel the need to constantly look at numbers. Yeah, it won't subconsciously shape you where you go. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, I remember I was going to tweet something super random that I thought was funny the day that the Supreme Court thing leaked. And yes, maybe it would have been inappropriate anyway. Just because, you know, you have a ton of women who are scared and, you know, you want to be empathetic. So maybe this is a bad example or an extreme example, but there also is part of you that goes, well, everyone is talking about this. So I guess I need to talk about this. But when it came down, I didn't have a take. I didn't have a fucking opinion. I didn't, I, I didn't, something so serious. It's like, you don't need another fucking dude podcaster being like, here's my, yeah. Hot take. My hot take was that like it's okay to not have because it was also so wild because I used to only be in progressive world. Mm-hmm. So it would just be easy for me to just start shouting out just woman hating pro choice. I mean, I probably would have made straight pro abortion. Like we're gonna get abortions just to, I would have made some offensive joke, whatever. Yeah. But it's wild following conservatives mm-hmm. now, which I never did. Because you'll see like a left-wing person post about like women's health and you go, yep, that's what I agree with. And then the next person is someone you respect going, oh, they want to murder babies. And I go, what? (laughs) I didn't know I wanted to murder babies. But, and and, and not that I 
should take that seriously. And again, I'm not trying to both sides ism, but you just go, whoa. But wait, can I can I say something about the both sides ism? Because yeah, oh my God, yes, please. Because here's what I've learned. That impulse within us is a very Western thing. And the reason for wait, that the, the, the impulse to, to accuse people. Label, okay, yeah, great, great, great. To accuse people of both sides ism is is an impulse that is rooted centuries deep within the West. And the reason for it, I I think my theory is the reason for it, for its presence is because the West is dualistic. Another way to Mm. say that is that the West is schizophrenic. We we have, you know, I've started studying Taoism. I've started studying Tantra, all these Eastern, you know, Kundalini, Buddhist, et cetera. Yeah, they got the shit figured out. Well, they have not everything, but like they have, (laughs) they have some things that really are enhancing my my sense of reality. And the thing that they have, which actually is present, but what has been buried within the West, is non-dualism, yeah. right? There is no existence on Earth that could, that could emerge that would not contain opposites, right? right? And, so, and so this whole like both sides-ism uh, retort is a failure to come to terms with the fundamental essence and nature of reality itself. Right. Right. And it's also just, it's slimy. mm. Like to, again, to make it less intellectual than you, it's fucking (laughs) slimy because like, okay. Like the word grifter, very similar. Which by the way, I don't even know what that means. Okay, I don't so actually, gri- know what that word means. So, uh, Dave Rubin would be the, the would be okay. the. So they go, okay. It, uh, the better example, uh, yeah. me. If I wrote that book, mm. it would have been like, okay, Jamie was a huge lefty. Jamie got in trouble. Yeah. Jamie doesn't want to be homeless. Jamie is now a huge conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, that's not that grifting, is, by the way. Well, I, well. So, so this is so. I, I think you're going to agree with me. Yeah. If I did it. Because because I agree with you, and and the, yeah. and the reason I brought it up was because of what you were talking about with dualism, which is yeah. me going. I'm going to make a hard switch, right? Yeah. So, for example, um, the moment I realized that even the non-tribe people were kind of full of shit is <laughs> when I did do a bunch of right-wing shows, and I wrote this piece for Quillette that kind of blew up. Um, like Peterson posted it and stuff, mm-hmm. and. I got all these like more conservative right wing fans and they go, Hey, we may not agree with you politically, but you know, um, uh, it's really great that you're talking about nuance and calling out both sides. And then George Floyd was killed. Mm. And then I posted a black lives matter thing. And not only did I, hundreds of people start unfollowing me. Mm. Did people go, Oh, look, you're back. You know, I guess you're Mm -hmm. back doing your like left wing cuck thing. The craziest comment I got, and I wasn't even like radical. I wasn't suddenly talking about fucking reparations. I was like, hey, you don't kill black people. Um, <laughs> someone on my Instagram wrote, didn't this feminist bullshit get you in trouble before? Mm. Essentially equating feminism with racism, saying that because I was a feminist and had an affair, I guess I have to support black people being killed by a police state. It was, that is how wildly tribal we are. Yeah. So with, with, with the grifting thing, if I suddenly did that, if I mm-hmm. go, hey, you know, my life experience has led me to be a little more center, mm-hmm. um, center left, whatever. Not, I don't like the democratic establishment, but like sure. I can see right wing stuff on, on certain issues. But in order to make money, in order to land a hosting job on Fox, I suddenly have to go, well, I guess I support the police all the time. I guess I'm free market capitalism. I guess I'm pro-war. I guess I you know, am against same-sex marriage. It's like, that's a grift. If it suddenly becomes, suddenly just one day, everything I've changed and I'm yeah. doing it for financial gain. What okay. I think is very nefarious and slimy, just like people saying the both sides-isms, yeah. is when you are trying to maintain an intellectual balance when you are trying to go, no, 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 I'm really liberal, but also, hey, man, do you think like trans kids should have surgery before they're 18? Or, you know, do you think maybe cancel culture actually pushes people away from the left and away from like this idea of redemption or whatever? And they go, oh, looks like you're going all fucking right wing. It's what happened to me on the abortion thing. 
I opened up being like, man, these people think we're killing kids. And if they think we're killing kids, of course, they're going to be passionate. And like, I never thought about it that way. And then this girl just goes, oh, there, that's a right wing talking point. And I go, if you just listen 10 minutes later, I'm giving my pro-choice stance. It's, it's, that's what I think is so insidious. And it essentially bullies you into being like, okay, I got to stay in line. If I'm left wing, I can't question this one orthodoxy. If I'm right wing, I can't say George Floyd was fucking murdered. If, you know, whatever it is. And so I think drifting, both sidesism, all that shit, it's actually a way to just shut down people who are starting to think outside the box. And it's completely antithetical to, I mean, being an intellectual, which is supposed to be fucking asking questions and not mm-hmm. being aligned to, to, to one a party or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's fascinating though, when you say this, I'm thinking, I am thinking about Dave Rubin because we had a falling out a while ago. And I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe Dave had some similar, like I can even empathize with someone who is so, um, whose financial well-being, let's say, is tied to a system that incentivizes us to be tribalistic. Yeah. Right? And I can even empathize with someone who makes a calculation. I'm fe- I feel very heartbroken to, to know that that person felt that they had to make that calculation in that time. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I, I will say something very sad mm. um, that I don't know if I've said publicly. So like, again, I have an affair. I have these consensual one night stands. It's a very silly thing that happened to me. Um, I, I say silly now where I'm yeah. like, I still live with such shame. And like, mm. you know, th- th- there are like little, <laughs> little things that me and my ex were talking about that like people don't think about with cancellation. For example, mm. every relationship I've had, I have to explain to their parents mm. uh, what happened, which yeah. is an insane thing that people yeah. don't think about. Um, And so, you know, again, a consensual affair was called sexual misconduct. Mm. Uh, uh, a breakup was called emotional abuse and one night stands was called predatory behavior, mm. which makes me, if I see those words, I go, I'm going to fight that guy. He sounds like a sex criminal, yeah. right? And that's uh, not who I am. So it's horrible. So I go to these and I, I don't, this isn't necessarily like defending. No, yeah. There's financial gain, 100%. Mm. I've been fucked for the last 10 years and tried yeah. to build up. And every time I do, it's like, okay, cut down again. And I keep trying. And, you know, this is the best. I'm literally sitting on a couch next to drug dealers of my friends. Um, <laughs> and, and shout and out to the most, drug dealer friends. Shout out to the dealer. Well, I was scared they, uh, <laughs> I was scared they had COVID because everyone was coughing. And then my friend was like, no, 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 they're drug dealers. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Perfect. Very different. Uh, Very different. Totally great. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so, So I go, um, so yes, I needed the money for me getting completely disowned by progressives, by friends, you know, um, and you know, comics checked on me, Mm -hmm. Rogan texted me like people like that, but like my best friends who knew I was suicidal, like didn't check on me Mm. when I went to do right wing shows, when I did a show at, um, what was it? Daily Caller? The Ben Shapiro one. Mm-hmm. And when I went to do Glenn Beck's show, I had these beautiful, kind women mm. coming up to me and giving me the biggest hugs. And this was, you know, obviously, I mean, now it's like my best friends in politics, pro wrestling, jujitsu, comedy, like they're women. The majority mm-hmm. of people who listen to my podcast are women. Like it, 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 it's definitely helped me a lot. But back then, this is when I was like, just kind of like re-emerging. Yeah. Having these people who I thought I hated, having these, these women who I just met, either producers on the show or hosts, like take me by the hand backstage and go, honey, I'm so sorry what happened to you. Yeah. And me being like, calling me honey. And I'm like, <laughs> you're sorry for what happened to me, but like, I'm the piece of shit. Like yeah. I'm the garbage person. It's, I mean, I, I, maybe it's hard for people to understand who haven't been through it, but it's like, yeah, the financial stuff would help. But for me, it was just like, 
feeling like I had friends again or feeling like I had people who cared. Yeah. And it was what, and you know, look, some of them cared for, again, uh, calculated, you know, that they, yeah. it would be cool to have like a funny liberal on who can make fun of the left, whatever. But a lot of them were just like really sweet and have stayed friends with me. And what's wild is like, that's one of the things that attracted me to liberalism was like forgiveness and kindness yeah. and all this stuff. And yeah, man, like even like Louis CK, like I don't think what he did was good. Yeah, but also watching people years later be like, he should never work again. I'm, I'm also just like, well, he has daughters, and what's mm. the path? Like, you know, for me, it would almost be easier if I was accused of a crime because I could go, no, I didn't do that crime, or yeah. I would go to jail, and then I would come out ten years later and be like, okay, well, hopefully, Jamie has redeemed himself. But these weird but sort of we don't of, believe in that. Our society actually doesn't believe in that. I mean, we're, I know we've been a deeply punitive society since our Calvinist, you know, uh, foundations. We've, we, we haven't really had a redemptive, I mean, we've had elements of redemptive, of a redemptive ethos in our, you know, in, in the American psyche, but, but it's been overwhelmed by that punitive need to, uh, punish, right? We have a unhealthy, uh, craving to punish People. And I actually think it's related to our uh, it, it's it's related to our our need for power. And I don't mean power in the sort of being empowered sense of the word. I've been thinking a lot about what patriarchy means. And patriarchy, yeah. in my mind, doesn't it doesn't simply mean all the men are in power, right? That, that right. that's not what it means. It means that at the hierarchy of values of a society at the top of the hierarchy of the values of a society, the top most value, most important value that elevated is power. And by power, I mean a need to control, a need to, uh, to define and um, control outcomes, yep. um, a failure to be with the mystery at the heart of being, because that's the yeah. opposite of controlling. Like relationship, the capacity to relate both yeah. oneself and the other is the exact opposite of trying yeah. to control outcomes and our tribalism, this need to win, right? This need to vanquish the opponent, defeat the opponent is all wrapped up in that same patriarchal sort of like belief system. And it comes in part out of the fact that we do not have the tools and the vocabulary and that we need to deal with our suffering. Yeah. And to, yeah. and, to, and to be healed ultimately. Well, and I think, I mean, I, I totally think you nailed it. And I also think it's, we're running from our own demons, you know? Yeah, for like, sure, 100%. Like, 100%. you know, when you were either, you know, I'm one of five kids, so we would do this when we were fighting as kids. But I'm even thinking about relationships where you're in a fight about something and the second they, some, they say, they make a point and you go, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm wrong on this, right? Like, let's say we're fighting about, I was supposed to pick up something at the supermarket instead of going, oh yeah, I should have picked that up. It's like, well, remember last week when you did this? (laughs) And I feel like it's a lot of that, but as a society where, because again, the reason I got in trouble wasn't because I had an affair. The reason I got in trouble is because I was a self-righteous lunatic before that. And mm. so it was a funny clickbaity, oh, look at the feminist being a, a shithead. And, <clears throat> and, and, and that I really, I mean, a lot of it I take ownership for, but that's something I take ownership for. And when I look back on myself back in those days, it was, I was in a crumbling marriage. I was super depressed. Um, I felt like I was failing in comedy. And so you'd go on Twitter and suddenly you're getting validated for shitting on someone else who made a racist joke while she's on an airplane or some politician who said this thing or whatever, and you fucking unload on them. And then suddenly all these people are liking your stuff and giving you validation and giving you the connection that you so desperately crave in your real life. Uh, Not even just with people, but just connecting with your fucking self. But we don't have that because we're on Twitter all day. Um, It feels good. It is artificial connection. It is dopamine. And so I think, yeah, I mean, going back to your point, it's like, we are also, we want power, but we also don't want to look at ourselves. And it's mm-hmm. so much easier 
to lash out at other people. I mean, I even did it in this interview when I was like, you know, that point where I was like, well, fucking Mulaney's killing it. And we just both had affairs and but he did it on cocaine and I did mine because <laughs> I was fucking just like a sad. Um, it's like that. It's like, no, I need to look at like, why did I do it? Mm-hmm. Like, what part of me can I change? And, you know, e- fucking, because so many people said that to me. They were like, dude, you know how many people have affairs? And I go, but I can't focus on that. I can, I can do that to forgive myself a little bit. I can yeah. go, okay, maybe I'm not this fucking like leper sex demon, <laughs> but, but I also need to figure out, well, but, but what did I do wrong? And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and looking into that shit, it's fucking hard. It would be yeah. a lot easier just to start fucking tweeting about Mulaney playing stadiums and me being, you know, whatever. But it's what's actually going to get accomplished uh, by yeah. doing that. But it, it, it's what most of us do. In terms of that self-introspection, like I know for me, for example, if I'm interested in a guy, I can, I, I can have that craving for power in a very simple way. Like I can mm. feel possessive. I, yeah, and I feel sure. it. It's an emotion. It's like comes up within me and I have to have the metacognition to be aware of it and be in relationship with it when it happens. So it doesn't spiral out of control. Um, and the thing is, you know, there's been a lot of political discourse over the past few years talking about taking down the system and it's like, no, but the system was, is within you, right? right? The, the, the will to power, the craving for power, the craving to control outcomes is within me. And so if I haven't done the work to be in right relationship with that, not necessarily to suppress it, because if you suppress it, it'll, it'll come out unconsciously and, and you'll project it unconsciously, but yeah. to be in right relationship with it, if I haven't done the work to do that, and if I'm not constantly doing the work to do that, then what right do I have to talk about the system? Right. You know? Right. Right. And you know, it's, we talked about grifting both sides as um. There was another, I don't know the word it was. I'll use the word apathy. Hmm. But there's this other thing that would happen when I was like in super progressive world where if you didn't have a take or if you weren't saying anything, you were essentially empowering the bad thing, right? So if I didn't have a take on abortion. Yeah, so like if I didn't tweet about some a pro-choice thing, I'm essentially an accomplice, right? Like I'm just as bad. And yeah, okay. There are times when people in power should speak out. It it probably would have been irresponsible as a podcaster if I said nothing about it, I guess. Mm. But at the same time, this idea that we all have to be miserable and glued to the news because everybody else is like... political Twitter doesn't exist in real life. And that's Mm -hmm. something I'm learning being here in Texas. And I'm in liberal Texas. I'm in Austin. But just hanging out with all my jujitsu friends and shit, they don't know 90% of what the fuck we're talking about on Twitter that we are acting like it's the biggest deal in the world. You know? Um, And this idea that like, if you don't speak out, if you're not reading Slate every day, if you're not listening to these podcasts, you're part of the problem. And then you look at some of these people who spend all day doing that and they're not working them on themselves or they're ignoring the, 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 the person checking them out at Whole Foods because they're on their phone being righteous. Right. And I'm like, man, I would much rather not read the news for a day and connect with every person I see walking a dog, checking me out. Um, and I feel like I've done more. Mm-hmm. You know, even though this is the worst I've been doing financially, <laughs> I have gotten more direct messages on social media that by talking about my mental health, I've saved people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so you go, "Uh, okay, (laughs) well, if I was just reading about politics every day, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be like, fuck, I have to give my Ukraine take. And it's like, you can feel empathy for what's happening over there. But like, I didn't have anything to add. Yeah, I, I didn't know about it. And so suddenly... I could do what all Twitter personalities do and try to do as much research as I can in a day to become an expert, to have the take so I can go on a show. Or I can just go, man, I really hope everyone's going to be okay. And I'm going to try to be nice to the people I see and learn more about myself, which is, I think, what you were talking about. Um, And maybe that is apathetic, you know? Like, I don't... No, I I don't think that's apathy. I think apathy is something... I hope not. Apathy is indifference. Right, right. 
Right. Like, like I don't care at all. They're not yeah, me. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. Like, why should I bother? Yeah. That's the opposite of, um, it's interesting. So empathy literally means, I mean, the deeper, the deeper meaning in empathy is to be with someone in their suffering. Mm, yes. Like it, it's not just this sort of like, I don't know, la di da show empathy for people. It's right. to be with people in their suffering. That's where, that's what pathos comes from. That's what that word comes from. Mm. And apathy is like, like the incapacity basically to be with someone with it, with their suffering. Right. Um, and that's why it gets translated as indifference, but it's, there's a bunch of, in that sense, there's a bunch of, you know, apathetic people walking around claiming to be aligned with like social justice. <laughs> wow. And, and that's the thing where yeah. it's just like, you're tweeting empty words. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I've made this joke on a podcast when I was, you know, doing that shit where someone would be like, Jamie, your mom's on the phone. And I'd be like, tell her I can't talk. I'm tweeting about feminism. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, was like yeah. ignoring people in my real life to just post the talking point, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that, I think you can do both. I think yeah. you can be politically righteous and aware and trying to better yourself and being a good person. But I'll tell you, the more you do self-work, the more you realize that a lot of that shit online is is not yeah. is bullshit, yeah. And that you, and 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 the more self work you do, the more you just go, okay, what actually matters, and how yeah. can I actually affect the the world positively? Yeah, and how can I align? Like my question, my big question that I've been asking myself for the past few months is like, how can I get in alignment with what matters? You know, exactly like, what I've been asking myself too. Yeah, like I personally have realized that I need rituals in my life. Like, so mm -hmm. I do a morning meditation. I started studying Tai Chi. Awesome. Yeah. So I need those things to ground myself. And like, mm -hmm. you know, if I go to bed too late and I don't wake up at the same time, my body's going to feel it. I'm going to feel sluggish. I'm going to regret yep. it. So like, I need a way of being that is centered and has rhythms. Yeah. I'm in this rhythms. very transitional period right now where you know, when I wasn't full force with comedy, it was mainly jujitsu. And so I was waking up at five. I was meditating. I was mm -hmm. doing all the things. I was training twice a day. I was fucking ripped for the first time in my life. <laughs> and uh, now ever since this breakup, man, two weeks of a breakup, I've had mm -hmm. more success than I've had in eight years of codependent relationships um, <laughs> where I just was like, okay, fuck this. I'm going to go into comedy full throttle. Oh, you'll like this as an artist. My friend Paul him and George Carlin's daughter worked on a show and they gave me my first TV appearance when I was like a nobody. And he goes, dude, every time you get canceled or when Robin died or every time I have a breakup, I run away from comedy. I go, I'm going to go live mm. on a farm or I'm going to you know, move. And he goes, those are the times you need to run towards your art. Yeah. So that really saved me because I was really heartbroken with this breakup. And I went to New York and I got booked on all these shows I didn't think would book me. Oh, that's right. I texted you when I was in New York to see if we, yeah. we could hang out. And then um, I have just... I mean, I did seven shows this weekend in Austin. It, this is the most I've ever done. And I feel so good. But I'm doing the overcorrecting where I'm still doing jujitsu once a day. But mm -hmm. I'm like... I'm smoking cigarettes for the first time since I was like 22. <laughs> I'm drinking with the other comics. Like I'm like hanging out with like, and so everything there is a season. And, and, and the old version of me <laughs> would have been so mean to myself right now and be yeah. like, well, I guess I can't do comedy. I guess I have to. And now I am just enjoying both things until yeah. the natural balance comes Kills. back into play. And I haven't done anything yeah. bad. I haven't even been, I've been drinking, but I haven't been like sloppy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's wild doing jujitsu the next day and fighting black belts after you like <laughs> smoke cigarettes. Like, yeah. but I'm also having so much fun and it will. And so what made me think of that was when you said alignment is I'm just everything. I am just looking for the signs and the sort of grounded feeling. And even though this is the longest it's been that I haven't meditated, mm. I feel so grounded. I feel when I walk, when I, even when I'm on Twitter, I just feel more present than I am. If I do disappear into it, I can pull back. And mm. then 
you know, it's just right now I'm like, I'm staying at a friend's house. I'm whatever. And I just signed a lease before you called. I got approved for this like dope apartment. And when nice. I move in there, now we're going to find rituals. It's like, yeah. this is my space. Then I can start putting in the meditation. Then I can do that. But for now, it's like, yeah, that season thing. What a beautiful way to put it. Because yeah. I, I'm telling you, I mean, even when we were hanging out before, I would be so mean to myself right now. Mm. Be like, this is why you can't do comedy, dude. You're smoking cigarettes. And instead, it's like, no, I'll get to the gym the next day. I'll fucking yeah. feel it. Yeah. But <laughs> it is, uh, I'm having a fucking blast. And I think it is because, you know, so much of figuring out if you're aligned is, are you having fun? Mm. And that doesn't mean debauchery. That doesn't mean smoking and drinking. That yeah. means when you wake up, are you like, oh, fuck yeah. Like yeah. kind of hyped, you know? Yeah. And Are you in a state of play? You know, are you in that like flow state? And yeah. And that is, I've never felt, I've never felt that like this, you know? Mm. Like I feel so confident and aligned and happy. So yeah, that word I've been tossing around a lot. Because before, even when we did the podcast, it was like, oh, am I right wing? Am I left wing? Am I a jiu-jitsu guy? Am I this? Am I that? And and now it's just like, no, I'm I'm me. And yeah. and and comedy seems to be the thing. When I lead with comedy, everything else kind of falls into into in, into place. Is well, that what makes I sense because comedy is so playful. It's so playful. Yeah. That's it. Whereas before everything I was just second guessing, oh, if I make this joke, are they going to think that's too conservative or is that too offensive or whatever? And in a weird way, giving myself permission to be a comic and just say things yeah, has actually made me more confident also in my political views, also in the way I talk to the women, also in the way I handle myself backstage when it's a bunch of people I don't know, also, you know, in jujitsu, also like, and feeling less shame about all yeah. of my bad shit. Not because I'm going to suddenly joke about it or minimize it, but because I can joke about it. You go, oh, wait, why am I still punishing myself for this fucking thing? You know, because yeah. for me with comedy, when people go, you know, were you the class clown? I'm like, no, the class clown <laughs> beat me up and bullied me. Um, I <laughs> yeah. became a comic because like, you know, my mom was an alcoholic and I was sad and... I would just, me and my siblings would joke to stop from crying. And that was one of the reasons I started talking about politics is I'm like, can I take this really heartbreaking issue? And then once you can get a laugh out of it, like we did as children, then you laugh, then you feel cathartic. And yeah, then it's you like go, a release. Oh, yes. And then you can start problem solving. Okay. Yeah. What do we do now? How do we handle the situation? Same with politics. Same with, if you can make someone laugh, especially at something they disagree with. Yeah. Oh man, now you can have a fucking, you can have a, con I did a show for vets for the first time in my life last week. Mm. And old me would have been like, fuck vets. Cause I was like <laughs> against the war in Iraq. Being against the war in Iraq is a pro vet stance. I don't yeah. want you to die <laughs> for some asshole president. Right. Um, and it was the best time I had. And they were like, Hey, do you want to speak at this thing we're doing on mental health? And I was like, of course, like they were such a fun hang. They were, they, they would be such good people to be male role models. Uh, for me, they were so yeah. Supportive of the comedy, and I'm like, I was like almost beating myself up. Where I'm like, God, ten years ago, I would have never met these guys. Yeah. Like how lame because they served in the military. Like that's an insane. <laughs> if I was doing, if they were like, Hey, do you want to do a show for vets? It's the Taliban. Then it's like, Okay, <laughs> maybe. Or it's like, Hey, we got all the fucking war criminals from yeah. Afghanistan, or it's for Blackwater. Then I'd be like, Okay, no, probably not. <laughs> but like, yeah. man, to think that like, to think that I wouldn't have even done that and. And talking to these vets about depression and about suicide and having them be like, dude, I'm really glad you didn't kill yourself. And me being like, yeah, same. It's like, right. Republicans have depression too, guys. And like, you know what I yes, mean? And like, that's so that, important. That's so important to highlight. It's crazy. That's yeah. That's so important to highlight. So that's my yeah. fucking preachy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a wonderful place for us to, to pause this conversation. Yeah. Um, of course, I hope that it will continue offline and, you know, maybe we'll have another opportunity to do more podcasts in the future. Yeah. Whenever you want to come on mine, please come on mine. Um, can I promote my stuff? Because your audience yeah, please is do. be rad. Um, okay. So the podcast is a fuck up's guide to the universe. You can go to jamiekilsteinpodcast.com or just Spotify, um, whatever, a fuck up's guide to the universe. My Instagram where I do comedy sketches, talk about mental health is at the Jamie Kilstein. Uh, Twitter is Jamie Kilstein. And then, ooh, I don't know when this comes out, 
but I'm finally fucking releasing that music project that I did with O'Teal from Dead and Company and John Mayer and fucking McCoy Tyner's nice. drummer and my friend from Under Oath and it's spoken word stuff about consciousness and psychedelics and comedy and you, you don't know. know when this is coming out. <laughs> Well, we're releasing it independently. So the problem with doing a music project where everyone else is so much more famous than you is they're like, hey, man, it's chill. Like, we don't need a label. We'll do it ourselves. And I'm just like, cool, cool, cool. Guys, (laughs) I don't have money and need to take this very seriously. Because like literally one of them is touring stadiums with the new Grateful Dead right now. And then, yeah, my friend Chris, like he was like a Grammy nominee. And like, yeah, he just got back from tour with like his metal band Under Oath. And like, you know... Uh, and I'm just like, this is my one. I chance. will definitely be looking to because you know me and my friends are really into that, like psychedelics, consciousness. The yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Ram Dass, be here now. You know, that's it. Well, <laughs> you know who? I, I it's funny. I just talked to um Ragu Marcus, who runs the Ram Dass Foundation, and oh, he's the host of the Ram Dass podcast. Okay. Um, he heard the song, and I'm gonna go do his podcast because he loved it. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it'll nice. be out in a couple of weeks. The band will be called Light Scale, but I will be. If you follow me on social media, I'm gonna be fucking going crazy about that when it uh, when it comes out. So those are my things. That's awesome. I'm looking. I just want to build a community with like cool communities like yours. So if, if yeah. you like this conversation, check it out. Say hi, so I don't feel fucking insane anymore. <laughs> Would be phenomenal. <laughs> Do you hear that? Everyone do that. Do what he just said. Yeah. Um, um I'm so proud of you, dude. Like Oh, thank you. Thank I'm you so, so proud. Every time I saw something else successful happening with you, there wasn't even a point where I was just like, Oh, what the fuck, man? We like I should have like I was just so genuinely I was definitely like Jamie, you're an idiot, but I was <laughs> So fucking proud of you. Like you deserve it so much. And like you're an example of someone who like it's not easy to piss off both sides, it, even though you're not you're not trying to piss off <laughs> both sides. Trying. You're trying to bring I'm sides together, which of yeah. course will. And so to see other success stories like that makes me feel like okay, like there's th- there's an audience for it. Um, you just have to dig a little deeper because that audience is probably out living happy lives instead <laughs> of on fucking Twitter all day. People uh, are hungry so I, for it. People are definitely hungry for I it. I know. I know. You just have to yeah. reach them because, like I said, they're not in the places where all the toxic people are because they're yeah. they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm proud of you. I love you. And thanks for having love me on. You too. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye.